Hey everybody, we are back as promised bringing you the conclusion of our seven round mock draft picking up the action in the third as Andy and I continue to try to flesh out the New York football Giants 2020 roster. But before we do, let's drop that brass. long wait is over Andy we had to just sit back and go all the way through essentially the entire second round taking you know picking at four in the second and then because obviously everybody knows we we traded away our third round pick to get Leonard Williams in the door midway through this past season Uh, so we had to get all the way back into the compensatory opportunity something that we got in return for the landing Collins deal we now sit there in the third round 35th pick overall when you take a look at your board we obviously know we addressed all those key needs as we said and and now you talk about maybe there's still areas of need by the way obviously we know center could still be out there at some point wide receiver maybe getting another edge rusher in the door where do you feel like the Giants need to look here at the back end of the third so this is a tough one for me because I feel like we've assessed a lot of areas of need as a Giant fan. So you you kind of have a little bit of flexibility that we haven't had earlier in the draft. I felt like we had to address those premier positions. Um, when you start looking at the board, it sets up really nice for me, and it really comes down to to probably three different positions for me, and that's uh, you know looking at the edge again because we just can never have enough pass rushers. That's been the success of the Giants. Uh, looking at the wide receiver position to fill in behind our big three and the linebacker position, because while we did sign um, Fackrell and, and Martinez to, to man the middle, you know, there, there are some talented linebackers that are still available. And so I keep going through and I keep looking at value. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a long, that's a long sigh there, right? Like it's like, there's a lot to assess on the back end. Like once you get back here after that big weight, it feels like this, this is a, even though you've addressed needs, this becomes a little bit of a crucial pick here, right? It does. And and that's why like, I don't want to screw it up and say that we need a running back now or we need another edge rusher immediately. It's tough. If, if, I, if I had to say, I would pick Jordan Brooks, the linebacker out of Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I would do this is because if you watch some of his film, he was a tackling monster. He is an inside linebacker. I know that he plays the same position as Blake Martinez, but at the same time, we need depth on our defensive side of the football. And he does bring a little bit of youth an influx of talent. We don't know what's going to happen with Connolly, you know, coming off his ACL injury. We have to fill some of these roles in some of these areas we're kind of drafting in the third and fourth round for guys that might be fringe starters. And who knows, maybe he, he can be that guy, you know, in halfway through the season or, or throughout that. So he's big, he's strong, he's athletic. Uh, I'm going with the linebacker position. I need to solidify the defense. You know, and listen, when you think about the defense and you talk about Ryan Connolly coming off of injury, you talk about Lorenzo Carter. I, I, I still like him, but I think some people are, you know, wondering where he's going to fall. It doesn't hurt to probably bring in another young body and say, listen, over the next, you know, over this next season or two, we can just flesh out through competition who deserves to be a part of that unit there alongside Blake Martinez for a couple of years. Fackrell's there, but only on a one-year contract. So there's going to be a lot of fluidity there. So I understand the logic, and it makes a lot of sense. And once again, 
the the draft gods shine down upon Andy Makowitz because Jordan Brooks is off my board in the third round at the 31st pick. Uh, you know, for me, another guy that I'm really high on is uh, the linebacker Willie Gay Jr. If he's there for me at 35, I definitely would like to get him in the door for the exact same reasons you're talking about with Brooks. I think that he may not be a guy that's a day one starter for you, but he can be rotational. And if he overtakes one of these other players in that unit, so be it. And it just means that you, again, have upgraded yourself uh, on the roster at the linebacker position. Uh, unfortunately, they're not there. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have that opportunity. And, you know, to your point, linebackers in need, wide receiver is certainly there. Uh, I'm still not ready to dive in at that center position. We've done a great job in those first couple of rounds addressing our needs. So as I scroll through, for me, I look down the list a little bit. You can make an argument. Different projections have this player going a little bit higher, maybe, you know, potentially in the mid-third round, but as far back into the fourth as well. And that's Darrell Taylor, the outside linebacker out of Tennessee. You know, I know that we got a great player in Chase on, but guess what? We we needed edge rushers. We got one. It doesn't mean you can't have two potentially and the idea of just getting another body into that group a player that had eight and a half sacks last year came away with a forced fumble as well uh you know six foot three 259 just has a lot of those kind of those measurables that I really like, especially coming off the edge there. He's not hes not nearly the talent necessarily that Chase on is, and you wouldn't expect him to be with, with where you're drafting him. But I think he's the kind of guy that same thing with you with Brooks, right? Bring him into the room, let him develop, get a little bit better at some of those things that, that he could use some refinement at. But he has all of the natural talent that suggests you could develop him into a starter. So at a position of need, I look at that, I see him being available there, and I say, in a lot of ways, the board dictates who's available for me. I've already addressed safety needs. You know, A lot of those safeties are still out there at this point, but I find another player that I think helps improve this defense, and that, and that's where I go, man. I I, I got to say, I do like the pick. Like I, I just said before, we can never have enough edge rushers. I, I almost, looking back, you know, Thomas is available on my board, and maybe that's a little bit more of a need than linebacker is. Mm-hmm. I kind of have a little bit of buyer's remorse. I, I, I really, really like that pick based on, on where the roster is today. Well, and listen, I think after, after, you know, two glorious rounds and three selections. I feel like it's the kind of situation where I deserved a little bit of a win there. And like we said, though, th- th- that's a player. And, and just like with Brooks, the- these are very fringe about if they're going to be there for us. You know, one of the things that that we thought about when you talk about that trade down scenario, right? If the board works for you and it falls well, then it's great. You get that edge rusher, you lock them in. But when you think about that idea of it, if I don't get that scenario to play out, you know, you had a great opportunity there and it worked out for you. If I can't get Wilson at the top of the second round, when I wait all this time, I may have to consider packaging picks up to get higher into the beginning of the third round to get an offensive tackle that, by the way, may need some development or to address a linebacker need or whatever the position may be. So, you know, I, I think yours may be a little bit more friendly in the way that it broke down for you doesn't mean it's not possible and mine may be a little bit more on the side of 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 reasonable expectation but at the end of the day that's the danger of that trade down scenario right you know what can you lock into if you loved if you love thomas and you didn't get an offer from the raiders would you take him at four overall in that first round no question about it not a question 
And, and that's and that's what we're dealing with here, right? Like the scenarios are great as long as they work out that way. So we both had the opportunity. I think we're still thinking that same mindset of adding more depth and talent to the defensive side. And now we wait to move into that fourth round, just a short wait, picking at the top of the top end of the fourth here. And, and now the curiosity is where do we want to go? You know, because now when we look when we look down our list here, I'm starting to notice I haven't done a lot on the offensive side of the ball. All right, so we closed out that third round. Obviously, I doubled down on the edge rusher position. Listen, the reality is too as we work through this, I feel like Jarrell Taylor that, that that you know somewhat lucky to have him available there. He's fringe, right in that kind of range. So the fact that he still is on the board for me is nice. You obviously plug in a good linebacker, and now we turn over into that fourth round. We you know for me, I still technically have on my list of needs linebacker is out there. You've addressed that. What's your next position that you want to target here? Obviously, wide receiver is probably looming, and then you know, still center and a couple of other needs. Maybe supplementing the cornerback position as well. Where do you want to go? So I've I've gone back and forth, and I've looked at some of the wide receivers that are available. And uh, listen, of course, uh, when we do some of these mock drafts, there are some outliers. And Adam, I got to tip my hat to you uh, right now. Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame is available in our mock drafts. He, I, I would put a million, I would put every dollar that I have down in my life that he will not be available come this time during the draft based on his combine performance. So I, I just feel like it would be disingenuous to, to put him on the board. And, you know, so I'm, he's I'm, on my, he's on mine as well. And, and I, I'd love, I'd love to say the board finally fell to me, but it, it just, it's incredibly, unrealistic that he is still there at the top of the fourth. So, uh, you know, unfortunately based off of this board, which is a pretty nice one for the most part, we feel like it really lines up uh, realistically for how things should fall. But that's uh that's the dream within a dream that I, I, I just can't grasp for. Exactly. And, and so if you look at my last three picks, I focused on the defense because that's really where we needed to shore up. I you know went first with the offensive tackle, but here we go, Adam. I said, in the second round, you absolutely unequivocally cannot draft the center. And the reason why is because what people are arguing is the second or third best center in the draft is available to me in the fourth round. And his name's Matt Hennessy out of Temple. Um, he had some injury issues last year. Uh, but what's fascinating about him is uh, he's basically the same size as Tyler Arbides of Wisconsin. He's about five pounds less than him. He's an inch taller than uh, Cesar Ruiz of uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. So he's got the same size and stature of all the other guys that are going two or three rounds earlier. And everyone says from all of his combine stuff and his interviews that he is going to be a consummate pro. He's a guy that you can plug in. He will project as a future starter. Seems like getting a, getting two guys to start on my offensive line and sure that thing up is a home run for me in the first four rounds. Yeah. So listen, we've talked about it, right? When is the right time to address that issue? At what point do you feel like it's a safe time to do it? Now, if the board plays out for you the way it has, and you've addressed such key needs, then this feels like an ideal opportunity to go ahead and dive in on that position. I have my eyes on, on some of those similar players as well, but I'm still trying to figure out other positions of need. And like I said, for me, linebacker is maybe something that I still want to address here, uh, you know, center wide receiver as well. 
so that being the case, though, it, it makes a lot of sense. I look at my board. Guess what? I could go right there along with you and take Matt Hennessy and shore up the center position. I have some other ideas a little bit later in the draft still to maybe bring in a player at that position. So instead, I start to go down the list a little bit. And thinking back to that past round, I went and doubled down on the edge rusher. All of a sudden, I scroll down, and guess what? I see that David Woodward is there for me. Inside linebacker, can also play outside as well, out of Utah State. He's a guy that is an incredibly tough you know, run defender specific. So when I think about where my board has been now, I brought in two edge rushers to get after the quarterback from the outside. We know that we brought in linebackers through free agency, and now I just want a guy that can go ahead and stick his nose in between the offensive line, go ahead and disrupt some things in there and bring down the ball carrier he's a guy that had uh, 93 tackles this past season a couple of sacks there and four forced fumbles and by the way in his sophomore year the year prior had 134 tackles with five sacks to go along with two interceptions as well so uh, you know not dissimilar to you having addressed this already in the previous round this is just an opportunity for me to kind of I think probably finalize what I feel like I needed to bring into that defensive group. And ultimately I can, I feel like I've done everything that I wanted to do on the defensive side of the ball, not necessarily just for this upcoming season, by the way, as we highlighted before Fackrell on a one-year deal, Martinez is there for three, but you still have to think about the existing players who may not be there in another season or two and making sure that you have some fresh players in the pipeline. And I, at this point, 126 on my board. So I get a little bit of value here as well and bring in another linebacker. Nothing wrong with that. I went the same way. Inside linebacker, maybe not 100% the need with Blake Martinez coming in, but we do need depth because we were so bad on the defense last year. That that bringing in someone like this, just understanding that we really do need to fill out that linebacking core, I, I don't mind the pick at all. Now, listen, when he said, when you play the way you did on defense, there's always room for a few more bodies in the room. Uh, as we move into this fifth round now, when we take a look at needs, uh, now you went ahead and grabbed center. So when we look at the terms of what the, what they project for the Giants needs, one of the ones we take off the board here, I think we both agreed on, was tight end is still listed here. Uh, however, this isn't something that we, we both agree. You brought in Toya Loa, you still have. Uh, Caden Smith, you still have Evan Ingram potentially coming back from injury. I, I move that off my board. I'm not looking to address that need here. So currently, I sit here, still says wide receiver could be a position of need. Quarterbacks listed, although I can make the case now with Bradbury in the door and, and because we both addressed the safety need as well, that you, you can certainly push that back if you wanted to. Uh, and then center, you've addressed, I still have a need for it. I I tend to agree. I do see the idea of cornerback being a need just because Bradbury came in doesn't mean that we've shored everything up. But at the same time, when you have Beal and you have Ballantyne, you have Baker, you have Bradbury, you got you got four guys that you feel pretty comfortable with. Usually you may pick up a veteran on a veteran minimum for the last one or you or you draft someone late in the draft for, for some depth here. Don't mm-hmm. really see that as a need. I do see wide receiver. I see a couple of other areas, but We'll see. I've got a couple ideas of where I want to go at the end of the draft that may not line up with the exact needs that everyone says we do. Andy Makowitz, top of the fifth round, fires off. We work our way through the board. Just a quick few picks before you are back up on the clock. Listen, 
Wide receiver still out there, still an area of need. Uh, you can supplement some other areas of this roster as well. W- what do you? W- what's your thought process on where you stand right now? Because now, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. These are guys that you're hoping are developmental projects that could turn into something for you. So I look and I see that uh, we still need wide receiver, cornerback, and tight end in the draft, and I immediately think to heck with whatever they tell me that I need remaining. I want to go with a player that I've been high on since the beginning that I do think fills a need on the roster. Um, And it may come as a surprise because it's not necessarily a position of need. And he's certainly not the highest person available uh, for that position. Uh, But that person is the running back out of Boston College, and his name is A.J. Dillon. Now, I had to scroll very far down in the available (laughs) running backs to be able to pick him up. There might be 10 to 12 to 13 different running backs ahead of him. But again, we're talking about roster construction. I don't need a smaller, quicker, agile guy. I have that in Dion Lewis. I don't need the athletic guy that, uh, you know, can break things outside. I need a bruiser that can get me yards, can punish defenses and really run downhill when we get him going. I look at AJ Dillon as the Brandon Jacobs type runner that we need, you know, in our, in our lineup. And I think it really solidifies the running back room. If you have Dion Lewis, who can get out in space and catch balls, you, you know, he can run it up the middle as well when we need him to, but you have Saquon Barkley dynamic can get outside and, and break home run balls. You add AJ Dillon to it. He's what we've been missing when Saquon Barkley hasn't been in the lineup, a guy that can run hard to the line and make the plays. I like Gallman. I like Hillman, but they weren't able to get it done in their limited action. Bringing AJ Dillon in, late round pick. I think this is a great pick for the New York Giants. No, it makes a lot of sense. Listen, I think that that's fair. We obviously know they have Deion Lewis there, and he provides that same type of scat, you know, going to be good in pass protection, but doesn't provide someone to go between the tackles. So makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think for where your board stands right now, addressing that need to fill out that running back room is the smart choice. For me, I sit here, I know I still have to address that center position and things work out perfectly for me essentially because it's someone that I've highlighted on the podcast before. Daryl Williams at the center out of Mississippi State, six foot two, three hundred four. Listen, from everything that I've read on the prospects about this guy, he made the transition into center for the Bulldogs this past year, and and that's where it's going to make sense for him at the NFL level as well. Listen, competitor, you know, I don't know what that does for you, but the bottom line is he's a well-rounded blocker. He's effective in both the ground game and can be dependable in pass protection as well. I think that if you bring him into 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 this room alongside of Pulley and alongside of Jalapio, you don't know what Jalapio is going to be from an injury standpoint. And Pulley already proved that he shouldn't be the starter because he was beaten out by Jalapio when he was healthy. So this is a guy that I think effectively could become your starting center going into this upcoming season. And the fact that you're able to get him in the fifth round, which is not him sliding on the board at all. This is where he's going to land most likely. This is a great selection that allows me to shore up the offensive line and move on to a next position in need. And now I've done what I wanted to do in this draft high selection offensive tackle, and also address my center position, if not for the immediacy, for the future. You you feel the need for sure. Center something that you talked about for a while. I like Hennessy a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh, just around earlier when I feel like he had a little bit more value. I think Dow Williams is a little bit of a diamond in the rough. 
think it could be an, an ending up a, a, a good to, to great pick. I think uh, when we compare center to center position, I may have gotten a little bit more value for the pick that I, I took Hennessy in. Uh, no, 100%. And that's why, again, you see how these things start to diverge based on what you think you need to fill the need for and when you want to go ahead and select them. Now, one of the other things that occurs here for me is I know that I still need to fill a couple of needs here. And when I look at the board, I, I want to flesh out another area of the roster, and that's the cornerback position. So we don't want to get too much into the weeds on this, but what I went ahead and did was Miami Dolphins select eighth pick in the fifth round. So for the 41st pick in the seventh and the fourth pick in the sixth round, I get myself back up into the fifth. That's going to be Reggie Robinson, the second out of Tulsa. I think that, again, probably along the line, Daryl Williams can be a diamond in the rough kind of scenario, can be that sneaky selection that you get late and becomes a contributor. This is just another body in the room. And at the very least, I think you're going to see a player like this overtake a couple of guys on the depth chart and move up that roster for you. And just, again, improve the depth once again at a position that you want to have be sound going into the season. And and to be honest, regardless of who you pick there, the the position of of packaging some of these picks at the late end of the draft are is a perfect opportunity for the Giants to to get a player that they want. You know, we have all of these seventh round picks, we have all these late round picks. These, you know, we can only get 53, 54 men on a, on a roster at every any given time. We just don't have enough roster spots to be able to to have all these seventh round picks come in and, and be on the roster and learn there. A lot of these guys are going to go to the practice squad. So if you can take a couple of these six, seventh rounders, even our sixth rounder, package them up, get exactly what you need a couple of picks earlier in the fifth. Uh, it doesn't even matter what the position is. It's a great move to make. So as we complete the fifth round and we move into the sixth round, this is where we kind of get into the diamonds and the rough Adam. And uh, you know, in the same vein that you did in the fifth round, trying to, to, take some of the assets and and put them together and move up in the draft. I've done the same thing in the sixth round, you know, just for the, uh, you know, sparing everyone the time of drafting four seventh rounders that aren't necessarily going to make the roster. I've traded up with the green Bay Packers. I've gotten myself an extra sixth round pick. I've given up some, some capital in the seventh. So I have two sixth round picks to go. And my, my, my. I know, and it's tasty. And so the first sixth round pick, um, that I have, I, I got to think about the needs that we have. We have needs at the wide receiver position, the quarter, the cornerback position, and the tight end, so to speak. What I'm looking for is some differentiator in any of those positions that maybe be an interesting invite to, uh, you know, camp in August that might be able to crack the roster. And for me, that's Colin Johnson, the wide receiver out of the University of Texas. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and, and, and the reason why, you know, some people have him projected as a fourth or a fifth rounder. He fell to the first, you know, couple picks of the sixth here. You know, Colin Johnson is a long, rangy wide receiver. He is six foot five, two twenty-one. Uh, he's not a burner. He runs a four five five, so he's got good speed. Um, you know, I just think he adds a new dimension to the roster if he can crack that 53-man roster as a wide receiver. You know, we have Sterling Shepard, we've got Darius Slayton, and we've got Golden Tate. None of them you would consider a big, wide body, you know, longer guy that you can get to. Having someone like Colin Johnson that can go up and get a ball uh, and and beat up some of these defensive backs is is a pretty good situation to have. And being six five, you know, 
it's he's worth taking a flyer on. And does he end up the same as Ramsey's Barden was, um, you know, a few years ago for the Giants that didn't pan out? Fine. Well, you've invested a six-round pick. Or does he hit like Darius Slayton did last year with a fifth-round pick, and, and you get a guy that that really has a great one-two punch? Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense, man. I, I want to take a look at my board here and just see for argument's sake. No, of course he's not there for me. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> opportunity knocks, but I but I do think that you're you're right though. Guys that are projected in that fourth to fifth round can easily fall around back because everyone starts to go for the needs that they want to address or for talent that they think they can develop. So you know, unlike when you talk about as we mentioned earlier, Chase Claypool being available at the top of the fourth and us kind of agreeing, listen, this. This is a talent that isn't going to get that far. This is the area of the draft where you really do start to see a lot of movement in terms of where you're going to end up. Now, for myself, as we know, I traded up to get back into that fifth round with Miami to ensure that I got a guy that I hope I could develop in Reggie Robinson. So knowing that I want to address an area of need that you did in that last round at the running back position, I went ahead, packaged up some assets again, found a nice trade partner once again in the Miami Dolphins because they had, why? Multiple sixth round picks. What was the pick? It was my own pick. I traded right back with Miami to get back in at the fourth overall pick in the sixth round. And that's so that I can go ahead, look at that running back position and get my boy DJ Dallas out of Miami. He's a guy that I liked. We, we've talked. I talked about him before on the podcast. The, the thing that I think that he does well, not dissimilar to, to your pick, although a lot more on the resume for AJ Dillon. He's a guy that's going to be between the tackles. And what I love about him out of college is tremendous pass blocker. So it means you can go ahead and put it in there in the backfield alongside of Daniel Jones, allow Saquon Barkley to come off the field, know that you're going to be secure. As you mentioned, the running back room for us has just been unreliable. He's 5'10", 217, though. So he's a big body. Put him between the tackles, let him rumble for a couple of yards, compliments Saquon Barkley and Deion Lewis. And then if you're going to put a player in there, at least also feel like he's going to be able to protect Daniel Jones as well and contribute in the pass blocking scheme. So again, like you said, developmental player. I think that if you went into the season and this was the running back room, you'd feel comfortable about it, allowed to challenge someone else in training camp for that third running back spot. I, I don't mind the DJ Dallas pick. It's, it's each, each their own, but uh, you know, the I highlighted on, on my most recent mention about the five things we should do late round pick. I think Mike Warren of, of Cincinnati is, is really getting underlooked. The guy has had, you know, over 30 touchdowns in the last two years. And he's exactly the big body that we need. If AJ Dillon isn't there and, you know, he had a good combine. I think Mike Warren is second up, but you're addressing a need and you like different skill sets. So can't fault you for that. Just, uh, just a matter of opinion on who we take in, in that situation. Yeah, and one of the things we're going to get to do here, because we're going to we're going to move through now into what will be the final round. So after everything's been said and done, I am left with just the fourth pick in the seventh round. I think are you in the same boat, Andy? So I just took all four of my seventh round picks and used them to move up and move forward, just yeah. to get one more sixth round pick, just to to move things out. And I do have uh, one more pick left in this draft, and. You know, when, when you're talking about the, the back end of it, you're looking for a guy that has a chance to compete for a roster spot. Um, and it may be a homer pick, but I'm picking the edge rusher out of Syracuse. His name's Alton Robinson. Um, that, 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 
that's not a maybe. It's a homer pick. I mean, it doesn't mean that he can't be a good player. It's obviously a homer pick. I mean, this is a. I mean, he's he's projected to be a fifth round, maybe sixth, maybe seventh guy kind of guy. So he's right in the middle, but he is an edge rusher, which is a position of need. He is raw athleticism, and he just lets that take over the game. He's a guy that probably needs a little bit of coaching, a little bit of nurturing, a little bit of the NFL coaching to really get where he needs to go. But this is the type of guy you want to take that has that athleticism and un, you know, undiscovered potential that could be that diamond in the rough. And, and so, you know, while it may be a, a late round pick for me, Alton Robinson of Syracuse is the guy that I want there. Yeah, listen, and I, I've done a lot of good things for myself. Uh, you know, wide receiver is obviously an area that I could look at here in the seventh round. For me personally, uh, you know, this may not affect people as much, but I do think that Coleman coming back on that one-year deal, if he can come in healthy, he represents a different type of dynamic for this wide receiver core because he's going to be speed. He's going to be able to blow the top off of things if he's healthy. He also represents a return man for them in both punt and kick return. So, you know, there, there's a couple of options here. Kendrick Rodgers is there for me at the wide receiver position out of Texas A&M. He's 6'4", he's 208, dealt with some injuries. I think when you talk about like pure prospect, this is a guy that maybe you want to bring in and have him compete and see what the possibilities are. And, And right now he's sitting there just a handful of picks down the lineup. Instead, though, for me, I'm going to go ahead and pull an Andy Makowitz special I, I, I dive in there, man, and I bring in Rodrigo Blackenship out of Georgia, the kicker. And I say, listen, and I say, go ahead, buddy. Why don't you push Aldrick Rosas, who had a very down year so far in his career? He basically goes like this. For the podcast listeners, I'm doing the classic roller coaster symbol because he's been terribly inconsistent and unreliable. And if there's one area that we know Joe Judge is going to focus on, it's going to be special teams. That's a big factor in it. Top of the seventh round, I bring him in, compete. You want to win that job, t- go ahead and take the reins. Uh, in my first mock draft, I had A.J. Dillon in the sixth and Rodrigo in the seventh. And I, I, I love the pick. I love the idea. Also, you know, Rosas is making the 16th most uh, – uh, he's taking up the 16th most cap space of any kicker. And he's, he's not that wildly inconsistent. And so, you know, we're talking about a middle-of-the-road salary, but we're also talking about a guy that could go up or down. And we should have a guy that we think could fill in. And if, you know, Blankenship performs okay, we put him on the practice squad, maybe bounces around, or he wins it outright, got no problems with it, late round pick, I'm all for it. Yeah, and like you said, practice squad's a perfect spot for her to end up one way or the other. So, good Lord, friends, we did it. We worked our way through seven rounds of our mock draft following the free agency period. And that, friends, wraps up. The One Giant Podcast mock draft. We burned through seven rounds. It felt like minutes, Andy. I don't know about you. At the end of the day, it's all said and done and in the books. Follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast, where we'll be posting up our draft selection. You can, of course, get after us uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those great outlets, and head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast to fill. Download, rate, and review. And, of course, subscribe as we continue to build the empire. That will be the One Giant Podcast brand. And as we always like to say, let's go Big Blue. Hey, I do not envy the God in this podcast. Woo!